Amen. Thank you very much. God bless you. You may be seated. What a wonderful day it is. Amen. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? Amen. I woke up this morning and I was freezing. I said, I think it's winter time. The wind is blowing. We can hear it just right over here in the corner. <laughs> well, what a beautiful day it is to worship our Savior. A beautiful day it is to gather together in this country where it gives us the freedom to do exactly what we're doing right now. The freedom to be able to worship our Lord and Savior in the way that we see the Scripture calls us to do that. At the same time, we're able to join hands with our first responders and welcome them into this place, this sanctuary, and honor them in which I am pleased to be a part of. Chief, it's very nice to meet you, all of our distinguished guests here and officers. I appreciate the opportunity to meet you and, uh, and hope that this is not the last time. Uh, but glad that we do have a first time. And as, as, uh, as is usually the case, it's probably best, Pastor Wright, that this was how you met the chief. Amen. <laughs> this is the best way, the best way for us to interact with our law enforcement friends. Amen. 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 And I, I, uh, echo, uh, the chief's words that, that, um, your church has done a, a tremendous thing here today by, um, you know, when you call 911, nobody's calling 911 to give them good news. Nobody calls 911 and say, hey, how's everything going? I just want to let you know I was thinking about you. <laughs> There's never a call that, that these fine men and women take uh, that... Um, is anything but uh, a problem, a hassle, a difficulty, a challenge. There's never a call uh, that just wants to check on them. And this is a great day and uh, probably a little odd for this front row to actually have a phone call that says we're just caring about you, that we, we love you, and that we want to make sure you're okay. But that's exactly what's going on here today. We're making the 911 call to say, how are you doing? We love you. We support you. And we're behind everything that you do. It is incumbent upon me this morning to deliver to you a thought uh, that ties not only uh, the front row uh, together with this pulpit, but also the rest of the rows together with this pulpit. And I think it's uh, apparent if you are um, aware of the scriptures and the heartbeat of our creator that all of us in this room share a similar calling. And that's the calling to go beyond ourselves. We do have in the physical sense our men and women that we're honoring today must go beyond themselves in the physical realm to get past their fears, to get past society's inconsistencies. But there is a calling for the rest of us also to join that, that need to get out of ourself and respond to another's needs. You know, probably very much like... Um, probably very, very much like our first responders here today. 
I have contemplated changing careers many times. The only one that seems to make the most sense to me is that of becoming a mortician. And it probably is because uh, once you lay them out straight, they stay that way. Because we both have to deal with repeat calls, the frequent flyers, the ones, those doors that we're always going back to and we can see the dents of the flashlight where we've knocked on the door before. But it doesn't really allow us if, because we have given ourselves over to this higher calling. We've given ourselves over to something that is beyond ourselves. I'd like to read from the scriptures this morning in the book of Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. Jesus, here in this scripture, is being described and one that I think we can find some understanding from. The reading goes as follows, verse 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And he concludes this piece in verse 38 by saying, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And I think that ultimately what we share here this morning, what we should share here this morning, is a passion for people. A passion for people. I don't know how long ago it was for, for each of our honored guests when they first received that call internally to enter into the field of labor in which you are now engaged in. But I would say to you that it is a calling. I would say to you to reconnect that original deep down understanding that I have to get out of myself and I have to engage with somebody else. Jesus admonishes all believers that we are to be constantly aware that the lost have an invaluable, everlasting soul that will spend eternity somewhere. These parallels this morning are going to be so real to us to understand that when we engage with another person, that we actually are holding the keys of either triumph or defeat in their life. Ultimately, they have to make the decision whether or not they're going to take the key and they are going to receive freedom or victory in their life. Tragically, 
our first responders see time and time again where people continuously make the wrong decision. I come alongside you this morning to our guests and I say, don't lose heart of that. God has called us to continue to have compassion for those people that have an inability, a lack of training, non a non-upbringing that brings them to the reality of what's right. A continual decision-making process that spirals them down into the dungeons that have caused them to be the kind of people that they are. It's much easier to move on. It's much easier to sweep it under the rug and say it's not my responsibility and, and ultimately it is our individual responsibility to decide how we're going to act and respond. But, but the Lord is giving us an indication that when he saw the multitudes in verse 36, there was something on the inside of him that connected to an original calling in his life. And he was, again, moved with compassion. He saw that they were scattered people. He saw that it was as if they had no leader in their life. They had no mentor in which to guide them. And they had fainted because they just did not have whatever that particular need was in their life. It was missing. I want to thank the Lord this morning that not only in this congregation... And not only in this front row, that there are people that still understand the need to have compassion for another. It was in 1972 that this congregation, with their compassion for others, knocked on the door of my parents, who did not have an understanding of a higher authority in their life who did not have a recognition of understanding the need to submit, that did not have the understanding or the recognition that there could be a better path in which to take. But this congregation joined my mother and father and guided them and mentored them and brought them into a realm of understanding that allowed them to have a life of fulfillment in their new walk with their creator. I wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for a congregation that recognized the need for compassion. I wouldn't be standing here today being able to speak to you from the experiences from this side of the pulpit if it wasn't for an individual, individuals, families, in a larger church that extended a hand past their own wants, extended a hand past their own needs, and got out of their own comfort zone to enter into someone else's life. Having worked with law enforcement for many years, I'm sure that the stories across this front row and on the stage would be repeated time and time again, but we don't hear it enough of young men and women that have been affected by your kind words, that have made a life choice change of direction because of your compassion, 
because of your reaching out, because of your mentoring, because of the stand in which you take, the integrity and character by which you hold. You may never get the 911 call that says, thank you for changing my life. But I'm here today to try to say that for some individual that you may never see again, thank you for changing their life. The Lord wants us to understand as we ultimately do. That there are many who are going to be lost. And it only is going to be determined on that end result of their life if someone is willing to present to them truth. This is what you do every day. You present truth. This is what your job is, to present truth. Romans gives us the great indicator that the authority that you possess is actually given to you by God. That you have the right to execute judgment because the Lord has positioned you properly. There is a proper positioning. I don't have that position. The Lord has not granted me that position. But by virtue of you joining the department You come under the covering of the authority of the almighty creator and you, in essence, are stepping into his shoes to execute judgment upon those that need judgment, to execute mercy upon those that need mercy, to execute direction, encouragement, provide joy, peace, and love to those that need those elements in their life. There are too many people in our communities who just sit, watch, and listen, but never respond. I know that there's nothing more that this front row of responders would like more than for a community to be engaged in the outcome of their neighbors and their friends. It's not and should not be dependent solely upon the law enforcement community to change the dynamics of a street, to change the dynamics of a neighborhood, to change the dynamics of a community. This is this that we as a nation ask of these fine men and women goes beyond the human capacity by which we are not built to perform. But yet we have taken on the mantle of compassion for another human being. And for this, I am grateful for. When we see Jesus in this reading this morning, Jesus is seeing the depth and the pervasiveness of sin and the desperate plight of spiritual blindness and lostness in this world that he is addressing. And consequently, as a result of that, he feels compassion for them. Compassion doesn't mean that you let them off the hook. Compassion doesn't mean that they go in time out for a minute. Compassion is just the deep feeling and understanding of where they are compared to where they could be. He cared for them, primarily because he was God incarnate. 
And it's God's nature to love and to care. We see this in 1 John 4, 8, where the Bible says that he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. This characteristic, ladies and gentlemen, is something that is not relegated to a hierarchy of people. This compassion for the lost, for the sinful, this compassion for those that are without is not relegated to somebody else. I'm thankful that I have on speed dial 911. I'm thankful for that. But I cannot rest and depend upon someone else to have all the compassion for the change of my area. I need to respond with my own compassion and join those that have the authority to dictate the results. And so we see that Jesus is moved with this. I, I, I certainly understand that having our first responders having dealt with frequent flyers and having dealt time and time again to the same address, calls for service that stretch the limits of your compassion. I understand that having to go down to the same neighborhood, to the same house, and deal with the same judge in the court, seeing the same person back on the street over and over again. I, I just see the parallel where Jesus is walking through uh, the towns and delivering uh, healing to the sick. And yet those people would turn around uh, and continue to live uh, the opposite way by which Jesus would proclaim would be the right way. Time and time again, he would enter into uh, communities only to be rejected and laughed at and sneered at. And even one time they lifted stones in which to stone Jesus. This is a man that is showing compassion to a community, to families, and ultimately to the world. How easy is it to slip into cynicism and sarcasm and anger about those that would reject truth, those that would reject the law, and those that would reject what is right. I encourage not only our first responders, but I encourage our congregation today to not lose heart for the calling by which has been established inside of you. To not lose the focus by which ultimately good will prevail and evil will be defeated. Ultimately, we have to maintain that feeling of compassion in our life. Otherwise, it, we will be eaten from the inside out. And we will become as they, even though we serve a higher calling in our life. This compassion feeling that the Lord is describing here in the text literally refers to from the original Greek intentions of this passage. It refers to the inner parts of the human body, the intestines, even the bowels area. It's, it's this compassion, this deep, rooted feeling 
inside. It, it's the, it gives the indication from the original, the feeling of being uh, uh, whipped or wounded in their life. And the Hebrews, when they were writing, they would express emotions in terms of physiological symptoms. Most of us know from personal experience that when uh, we are experiencing intense emotions like anxiety or we're experiencing fear or remorse, uh, that uh, it can directly or indirectly affect our inner parts. We begin to feel sick, begin to feel the results of that intenseness in our life. An upset stomach, ulcers, these are common ailments that come with emotional trauma. And what Jesus is saying here is that in this moment of observation, he's viewing this community, this crowd, and his care and compassion was not merely figurative because he felt in his own body the symptoms of his deep caring. One of the most impossible things for these fine men and women to do is to not bring their calling home with them. It's challenging. It's difficult because you cannot disconnect from a calling. You can disconnect from being a checker at the grocery store. You can disconnect from pumping gas at a gas station. You can lay the hammer down in your truck and go home and not worry about how many more nails you have to nail tomorrow. But when it is a part of who you are, the calling of delivering truth, the calling of being the last line of defense before evil takes over, it's difficult and challenging to disconnect. And there is difficulties with that. I pray for each and every one of you. I pray for your homes. I pray for your families. A special blessing over your families of understanding and patience. I pray for that because this being moved with compassion is the only position that we can take. We cannot take one of cynicism and we cannot take one of oh well. We cannot take one of whatever. We have to maintain our level of compassion. Jesus in the scriptures was moved with compassion for people and he almost always reached out his hand and touched the afflicted. He touched the blinded eyes. He touched the skin of the person with leprosy. He touched the legs of the cripple. Very few times did he give verbal commands. Most often he was interactive to the point where he touched them. Have you ever wondered why Jesus so frequently touched the people that he healed? Many of whom were unattractive. Many of whom were obviously diseased. Many of whom were unsanitary. Many of whom who had uh, an odor about themselves because of the, the life and the style in which they lived. I, I commend you and I honor you for being willing to go to the hard parts of life. I commend you 
And I honor you for being willing to go into the diseased, the ugly, the unsanitary, the unattractive, and the smelly. What is it that drives you to do that? Congregation, us also. What is it that drives us to do that? It's not a paycheck. Because we all know that the people on this front row don't get paid enough to do what they do at all. The challenge is, is to continue to never let it be about the paycheck. And it's a challenge. We live in a world, as our chief told us, that is not friendly to police. And I pray that that changes here in the very near future. I pray that changes. But how do we continue to go to that environment? How do we continue to reach into that environment. It's not because of the paycheck. It's not because of the position of the stripes or the bars. It's because ultimately there's compassion. Ultimately. It may be buried. It may for some, not here, on the floor somewhere in another community, another, 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 another jurisdiction. They can't remember why it is that they became a police officer. They can't connect back to the ultimate purpose. And I believe God called purpose. Whether we acknowledge him in our life or not, ultimately we couldn't do what we do without him in our life. Jesus knew that with his power an authority that he could have easily have waved his hand. He could have easily spoke healing into existence. But he chose not to. <laughs> I, know, I know for my colleagues in Montgomery County, they would love to be able to wave their hands. Done. They would love to be able to speak into existence. But ultimately, our fine men and women here have to go hands-on most of the time in order to administer the proper level of intention and have the outcome that is needed not only for that individual's life but also the community's life. It has to be something more than just a word. There has to be something more than just a wish. There has to be a touch. And that touch, combined with the word, has the ultimate opportunity to make a lasting difference in an individual. He could not readily demonstrate to the crowd if he just waved his hand. Jesus could not ultimately give the understanding of what his purpose was if he was appearing to be a bystander or not engaged or aloof because love, compassion usually involves touching. This is perhaps maybe the basis for the statement of the writer of Hebrews in the fourth chapter in verse 15 
when the writer penned these words, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. In other words, our high priest, Jesus, can sympathize with our weakness. He understands our challenges. He is touched and he is moved with compassion because he has been where we are. Before taking on the bodily form, God in heaven had no personal experience of physical pain or the effects of rubbing up against the needy persons of our communities. But when he robed himself in flesh and God dwelt among us, he spent time here and allowing him to be fully more engaged and identifying with our pain. And that sympathetic and more probably more accurately empathetic compassion is unique to those that are connected to our Heavenly Father. Because it is a unique Christianity characteristic. Other religions don't have that characteristic. Other faith groups stray away from compassion. Other faith groups stray away from getting involved with the dirty, getting involved with the needy. But when Jesus saw the crowd, he was moved with compassion. I encourage all of our congregation today to make alive again the ultimate characteristic that ties us to our Creator. That characteristic is not one of aloofness. That characteristic is not one of a stand on the sidelines. But the characteristic is one in essence, in the spiritual, like it is for our men and women in the natural. That they are not running away from the needy, but they are running towards the needy. They're not running away from the tragic moment, but they are running into the tragic moment. They're not letting someone else take the lead, They, in fact, are the lead. And what a great characteristic of compassion and understanding that we as a congregation can recognize for our responsibility. Number one starts with ourself, but does not end there. It flows over into those that are around us, namely our neighbor. The two greatest commandments that the Lord gives his people is to love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, and with all of thy strength. And the second, he says, is likened unto it. To love thy neighbor as thyself. Later on, we find that all of the law and the prophets hang upon these two items. To love God 
and to love others. It doesn't, doesn't say you're going to get love from others in response. It doesn't say that you're going to even get a smile in response. I can get an amen from you guys, can't I? Yeah, there's no smiles coming when they see those lights on. But we got to deliver. There's no smiles when the, the door is knocked on. These people carry responsibility. They never bring good news. That's a responsibility, a burden that they have taken on, a burden that they must carry. It's weighty and it affects you. Never, never have you had your door knocked on by a police officer. I hope never. But never have you. And they come to you and say, hey, I just want you to know, it was looking like your tire was a little low here and I wanted to stop by and didn't want you to go out on the highway with a low tire. It looked like maybe the, the drain pipe was loose. No, they're saying I have a piece of paper here that gives me the authority to go through everything in your house and you need to come with me. From one level, that is not good news. But from the ultimate calling by which they possess in their life, ultimately it is good news. And that's where we have to understand. Compassion for another demands a response to actions. He tells us of the opportunity he goes on to speak of the need and finally tells us the source in which the answer is to be found. He tells them, he says, the harvest is plenty. I think they would agree that your harvest is plenty. There's no shortage of 911 calls. There's no shortage. The only shortage you have is people in service. That's it. Because everybody is doing something. He says, the harvest is plenteous. There's plenty of needs out there. There's plenty of people that need direction. There's plenty of people that need an urging. You know anybody in your community like that? They need an urging. They need a nudging. There's plenty of that. It's no different from our day to day when Jesus was speaking. There's an abundant harvest that's waiting to be ministered to. There's an abundant harvest that's waiting for someone that has compassion for them. But there is more. Jesus looks out over the crowd that day and into the future crowds of people throughout all the ages. He saw not only the souls that were outside, but also the souls that were ready and waiting to come inside. It seems hard to recognize but in the interaction that these men and women have on a daily basis with the compassion and the calling of God on your life, we have to ask God, Lord, help me see the dissatisfaction in an individual. 
Because if I can connect to their dissatisfaction, I have an opportunity to guide them in the right way. Help me see the great need and the yearning to be different. Help me see that, God. Don't let me just see the exterior rough part of them. Don't let me see just the mouthing off and the, the cursing and the, the, the degrading of who I represent. Don't let me see that, but let me see the great need in their life. And Jesus saw all those whose hearts were wounded, whose spirits were devastated. And he knew that his kingdom, there was rest to be given to the restlessness of mankind. He was reading the hearts of men and he detected the conditions of the harvest. When we look today at our communities, we look today at our neighborhoods who seem to be without any real godly faith or any kind of semblance of correctness. They pass us in the mall. They pass us on the road. They're unresponsive to our efforts They wander here and there in our streets, in our community. Sheep, as he called them, without a shepherd. The sight sometimes can be depressing, can be overwhelming. And we feel at times the vastness of the problem. And in our minds, this is one of the great obstacles to the achievement of the kingdom or even to the great reports that we try to compile within our department. And the natural tendency of our thought is, it's a waste of time. To our congregation, we can begin to think it's a waste of time to reach out again. It's a waste of time to try to teach that Bible study. It's a waste of time to our responders. It's easy to slip into. It's a waste of time to try to guide them again. It's a waste of time to try to inject some encouragement into our into their life. And it's from our look at failure that he would cause us to lift up and see the possibilities of success in their life. The lives with no allegiance are ready to respond to the good shepherd. The wandering crowds of men and women whose unconscious needs will reveal themselves and find an answer at the touch. The touch. Compassion demands a touch. But we need the presence and the compassion of Jesus Christ himself to work through us so that we can go beyond ourselves and touch the untouchable. And reach the unreachable. My friends, the opportunities are overwhelming. They're great. It reminds me of the, the, the story, whether true or not, has been passed down for decades and decades. Of the two men that were walking along the beach. And the beach was full of, of uh, starfish. And... The water would rush in and more star, as the water would rush out, more starfish would appear. And they, and it appeared that they were struggling to get back into 
the environment by which they can thrive. But they were stuck in between. And the young man would reach down and he'd pick a starfish up and he would throw it into the sea. And he'd reach down and pick another one up and throw it into the sea. And the other guy that was with him said, what are you doing, man? He says, I'm saving the starfish. He said, would you look around? <laughs> There's thousands. Of, you're never going to be able to get all the starfish. And he would reach down and pick another one up and throw. He says, we got to go, man. We, we're late for our meeting. He says, just one more. And he threw it. He says, you're never going to be able to save the starfish. He said, I may never be able to save all of them. But I did save that one. And it's made all the difference in that one's life. I encourage us today. The harvest is plenteous. But what Jesus followed up with is that the laborers are few. We indeed have a harvest. But what we have a lack of is connected people called laborers. What the church needs today, what the community needs today, above all else, is an increase in the ranks, not of sitters, not of observers, but of connected workers that are willing to go beyond themselves to enter into a space that is uncomfortable. The tasks are going to forever increase but the measure of our responsibility will continue to broaden. And so we need to elicit partners for the work of the harvest. For without workers to bring in the harvest, those who are ready and desiring to be harvested will face an eternity of bad decisions. The Bible teaches us on this judgment. And we see this incalculable need in the harvest and the lack of workers in the field. And Jesus gives us the proper preparation by telling us to pray, ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. Praying to deliver the burden to another person. Praying that another person will take on the mantle of responsibility. I know I would be echoed by our first responders here today by saying that there's nothing more than they like than an engaged community. There's nothing more that they enjoy than an engaged mom and dad when they're dealing with a juvenile. There's nothing more that they would enjoy than an engaged church to reach in to the impoverished areas of our city and partner with them. There's nothing more valuable than people taking on the mantle of compassion for another individual. It's the heartbeat of God. It's the characteristic that makes it different from everything else. It's the thing that changes a life. It's the item that takes us away from ourself and puts us into 
another's space. It's clear that we need to pray that God will send us more laborers who will touch people at their point of need. We need to pray that God would send us men and women of faith who have a willingness to go beyond themselves and be inflicted with the pain, as it were, of compassion for another. If one cannot teach, if one cannot preach, if one cannot operate in the different functions of pulpit ministry, there's still something that everyone can do. And if there's one thing I know about this church, it's a praying church. You can do your part and bring the house of God to the house of the people through compassion for others. Let's stand this morning. Jesus was looking over the multitudes. I can see through the eyes, as it were, of our first responders looking at the multitudes. To our firefighters, they have to run into the most dangerous of situations. Our police officers have to respond to the most dangerous of situations. Their jobs are pretty much, depending upon your shifts, timing, could be 10 hours of boredom and 35 seconds of sheer tear. You never know where the 35 seconds is going to land. If it's going to be immediate, if it's going to be right after coffee, if it's going to be after lunch, or right before you're supposed to go home and pick up your kids from school. You don't know where the terror is going to come from. But it does not stop an individual that has the mantle of compassion for individuals. For us in the congregation... We cannot let opportunities slip us by. We can't drive past, as it were, an accident in life and say some other shift will take care of it. Some other congregation will minister to them. They don't have the opportunity to not take the call. They don't have the privilege to pass it on to somebody else. They have to respond. When their call sign is called, they have to respond because they have given themselves to the compassion of others. We also do not have the option to not respond. The harvest is not lacking. It's the responders that are lacking. The harvest is plenteous. It's the responders that we need more of. I wonder if we could bow our heads this morning and we can pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful this morning. We're grateful this morning to the characteristics by which we live by. The integrity, Lord God, by which these men and women hold strong in their life. 
Lord, we honor them for what they have done, for what they continue to do, and for what they will always do. It's not merely because they do, it's because they are. And we honor the fact that they are. Lord, help us to recognize our own calling. Help us to see, Lord Jesus, that you have passed on those characteristics of compassion for humanity to all of us. We hold this mantle, Lord Jesus, of compassion for others. Help us to recognize that in the physical sense that our first responders responsibility that we have also in that spiritual sense responsibility of first responders and we join them in saying that we will not be bystanders and we will not be observers and we will not pass it on to someone else instead of running from we commit to run to instead of waiting for someone else we commit to taking the responsibility ourselves I pray right now Lord that you would cover the homes of each of our first responders today that God that you would administer peace and comfort encouragement I surround them Lord with your angels of protection and guidance the voice God that you speak to them the intuition God of your spirit in their life I call it to the forefront, Lord Jesus. I ask God that you would give our chief a special guidance of leadership, dedication to his troops, Lord God. That, Lord, that he would stand as a a strong, armored man in the face of the woes of our community, giving confidence to our men and women that patrol the streets. I pray for his command staff that they would follow that lead And they would elicit desire from our patrolmen and patrolwomen. That they would do their job with understanding. That it would not be that of, well, it's nothing else I can do. It would be more of, what else can I do? I pray, Lord, that you would empower them. And that you would anoint them for the service that you have called them to be. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Libby. Appreciate it very much. Once again, to our first responders and your families, thank you for giving us the opportunity today to honor you for what you do. We are very appreciative of that. And um, at this time, this will conclude our service for this morning. And uh, do not overwhelm them, but I also encourage you to take an opportunity to express your appreciation to them individually as well. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. If I could real quickly ask you first responders to join us one more time on the stage. They're requesting a quick photo here. (laughs) 